You're listening to Splash with Shalene Bryan. Get ready to be splashed with love and laughter to rehydrate your soul. Welcome to Splash. I'm Shalene Bryan, and I'm here with my buddy Barbara Cameron. Um, you know what we're about, hopefully. You know, our our desire and our joy is to splash you with a little love and kindness today to rehydrate your soul. Yes. We can all get in a little drought sometimes or feel a little dehydrated mm. in an area of our life. And today, as promised, <laughs> we brought back the one and only Jonathan, Jonathan Koch. Jonathan and since he was here, mm-hmm. um, he's been on 2020, covers of magazines, but the one story that he promised he would come back to the Splash Zone and share with our listeners, mm-hmm. buddy, was he got to actually meet. And we just heard uh, in the season, we interviewed Kelly, Kelly. Uh-huh. and she was not she able not. to meet That's correct. her donor's family, the 20-year-old girl whose parents, right. the girl had donated her lungs. But Jonathan... Mm-hmm. The one and only being Jonathan got to actually meet, mm. and he's going to share that story. Meet the oh, donor's family wait. today. But before that, can we back up a little bit um, just to remind people of who Jono is? He's the president and CEO of Asylum Entertainment, a reality and documentary show producer. He's a baller. Um, he has over 140 series under his belt. Jono's most important roles, though is he's an amazing dad to his mm-hmm. daughter, Ariana, mm-hmm. who's just killing it in San Diego, D1, doing a little crew, you know, just <laughs> not unbelievable, and a husband to Jennifer. But Jono, you, as promised, you're a man of your word. Welcome back to the Splash Zone. Yeah. I will come back every time I can. <laughs> I love when he says, I don't want to leave. No. We, we literally strap him to the chair, everyone. No, we don't let him I've leave. I've been here since the last time. Somebody please call for help. Nine one one. But will you give a recap because some people might not have heard the episode. And if you get a chance, because you can go back and listen to Jonathan's mm-hmm. first uh, splash zone splash podcast. But if not, give a little update of what happened to you. The brief thing. Why did something happen? <laughs> <laughs> what what happened and why you got a hand transplant? You know, I randomly just got sick. I was right. in um, D.C. for a television producers conference and. Somehow my immune system wasn't able to fight off something I encountered, and um, I had a horrific reaction to it. My body tried to kill itself, and um, through the process, I ended up losing all or part of each one of my limbs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was January of 2015. Mm -hmm. And... um, you know, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but time is really passing, and mm-hmm. with it, you know, so was the injury. And, and the healing, because we were yeah. just, this morning, just even looking at you today, I'm like, it's amazing. amazing. It's yeah. a, it's amazing. I you mean, guys are too much. No. <laughs> I'm looking at you, and I'm like, you you haven't aged. I mean, to me, healthy you, you're and healthy, fit. you're fit, you've lost weight, There's there's... There's a glow in your your skin and your face and your eyes and I mean you're the John. Very kind. I literally am not going to leave now. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> I just uh, oh. You know oh. I I think that I know that you know the way in which I have been supported, the great people I've had around me, you know, family, Jennifer, Ariana, you guys, doctors, you know, all this incredible love that I get. It's just mm-hmm. so easy to just focus on the parts of recovery and healing that I need to focus on myself. You know, I think having that support is crucial. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I feel great. I actually don't think I've ever felt any better Mm -hmm. than I feel today. And I think that's just because 
I've had the opportunity to really realize that we are not our bodies, you know, that this is just the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like any other vehicle, you're not going to go through as many years as we've all been on the planet without a few, you know, dings. And Mm -hmm. I just happened to get into a multi-car, you know, horrific accident drive over a cliff, but... (laughs) But <laughs> and then crawled back off yeah. the cliff, and mm-hmm. now you're running by Dennis doing you know, the opportunity to learn from something like this is so rare that a person gets insight, you know, gets to mm-hmm. go to the very edges of their humanity and come back. And you know, so when your mind feels so strong like this, your body's behavior just is not that important. And so, I don't really think about it that much. Oh, I just I, I keep thinking about. All of it, and and just um, knowing you for so many years, and just all of your strength, and and um, everything that God has given you, uh, I know that He prepared you for all of this. And and you said a vessel, and the first thing I came is, you know, God is using you as His vessel right now to um, be used um, to show people, like you said, you know, it's just our body, it's the mm-hmm. flesh, mm-hmm. it's our soul, it's our heart and our mm-hmm. soul that um, God wants to connect us And that's why you have a clarity that you didn't have before. There's a clarity. And everybody that knows you, and you shared this on the first show, came up to you after and said, what do you know now that I don't know? You just Mm -hmm. came back from the brink of death, survived it, then fought back like the best Rocky movie that's ever happened, and you're here today running the race, living your life that God still has planned for you. What did you tell them? Well, I think a little bit about what I just told you, which, yeah. you know, because I think that's a, that's a, you know, for me, what happened to me and the recovery of it was not as much of a, it was more affirmation than it was revelation. Mm-hmm. I've always lived my life preparing for the unknown, not because mm-hmm. I purposely thought to myself, oh, I'm going to get sick one day and have to fight mm-hmm. back, but just because I'm por- I'm purpose-oriented, not goal-oriented, right? So right. every day I try to do something with my purpose and towards my purpose, you know, put my head down one foot in front of the other and don't stare at things. Don't stare at goal lines. Don't stare at finish lines. Just Thank do you. the work. And when you do the work, you know, sometimes you look up and the finish line is... 300 yards behind you Mm. right I mean you've just you just keep doing it and so I just did and so I climbed to the highest mountain that I possibly could and I still do that today because you know since last time I saw you I was back in the hospital for a week and I almost died again so you know you have to climb to the highest place that you can get because you know a storm's coming and when you do you just prepare yourself for it. You don't have to panic. You don't have to get upset. You don't have to worry about it. You just prepare. So that's how I spend my time. And my doctors are amazing and they get to know me, you know, in some ways. And I think a lot of ways, but not the way you guys do. Right. And, you know, so I had um, bacterial pneumonia just, you know, a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, because I had texted you and you're like, well, I'm in the hospital right now. You text me back and I'm like... He's in the hospital, Barb. Yeah. We got to start praying. I mean, it was like it was a sudden nine one one, like you know, because it happened in a minute. I, you know, said goodnight to Jennifer, and then a half an hour later, I had ninety nine, and fifteen minutes after that, I had a hundred, and ten minutes after that, a hundred and one, and you know, so I had to make like a one a.m. run to UCLA, which I can't mm-hmm. really go to very many hospitals sure. because 
the mm-hmm. second they call up on the screen, they know, oh boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big trouble. Um, this so, guy's the bionic man. Yeah, yeah. But no, I so you know, I was in trauma one at one mm. thirty in the morning, and Ariana and Jennifer both came, and I was in full sepsis again, which is what took oh. my limbs, and you know, but. What? Well, I, I think that the part, you know, when you have an immune system, you, you know, your immune system is not the same every day. So sometimes it's a seven, which is, you know, terrific. And sometimes it's a five, which is still great. But I'm not allowed to really have above a three because if I do, it will kill my hand. But if I go down to a one, that means, which was I was under one when I got there, means that everything will kill me. So they do this incredible balancing act with my immune system to try to keep it in the range where it will keep my hand alive, but you know won't kill me. So that's kind of where we're at, and I've experienced both of those things now. I've experienced mm. hand rejection, and I've experienced you know pneumonia that comes from having no immune system. But um, after I was in the hospital for seven days, six days, um, I had a checkup three days later with my doctor and I, you know, I walked in and she knows how important it is for me to train and how, you know, for my mind really. And, um, she said, don't worry in a few weeks, you know, you'll be able to start training again. And I said, doc, I've literally ridden 50 miles on the, you know, spinning <laughs> since I saw you last. <laughs> Don't worry, Doc. I, I am training. She said. She said that I've never heard of that before. And I said, you know, I'm trying to do my part, right? I, I'm trying to climb. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down. And I try to climb every day so that when you know the floods come, I have a chance to, you know, withstand them and mm-hmm. you know be here with you guys. So um, I think it's really just about knowing your purpose and doing something every day to push it forward. And, you know, not worrying so much about the results all the time. Just do the work. It'll take care of itself after that. Mm. Mm. Stay away from the bear. Mm -hmm. That's what I love. The talk you give. I mean, just I I just think of that sometimes when even I'm alone. Stay away from the bear, meaning the bare minimum. Like just whatever you can do, get as far away from the bear as you can. And when you share that, I mean, it's just so empowering. I mean, you're speaking now all over. People want you to when you're not, you know. Tried. I didn't even realize that that would reject. That's how dumb I feel right now. Yeah. That hand looks like it's your hand now, and and it moves and and yeah. you know does everything that my hand does. And so I, uh, I just feel so bad that I haven't been praying more about that. You don't have to feel badly about it. I, you know, it, it is what it is. But it could reject, it, like you said. One hundred percent. I'm not guaranteed to be able to keep this hand forever, and I have to keep working at it. And I just look at it like doing my part. There are. You know, I'm number 81. I'm doing a speech at UC, uh, USC, and they're calling the speech 81 because <laughs> I'm the 81st hand transplant in the world. Wow. So they don't have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of research. But there are a number of people who have had hand transplants who have purposely given them back and said, I, I can't do the work. Wow. It's too much. Really? And it's a lot. But again, you know, my priorities are clear. And I do, I am as compliant a human being and as a patient Mm. than they've ever had. I do not ask questions. I don't, I do what they ask me to do. And yeah, and I look at it like it's doing the work. It's partially my job. So, Mm -hmm. and because my, if I can get this to be great, then potentially what Dr. Azari thinks is, is that the military might start 
you know, funding these things for mm, soldiers. I but I have to prove uh, that having a hand transplant is better than having a prosthetic. So I work at it, you know, every day. I don't miss my appointments and I'm purposeful about it. And it really is showing up. I mean, I my yeah. hand is way ahead mm-hmm. of schedule. No, you flipped no. me off today when you walked in. <laughs> it's totally working. I was I like, wow, John, that was I so good. Have, I, I don't have independent. <laughs> I'm <use> joking. <laughs> he made the okay <laughs> sign, yeah. though, so perfectly. You're like, ah. Well, you know, so I, I don't know if we talked about this, but, you know, somebody said to me, a friend of mine said to me, you know, I am trying, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And, and I said, mm. that's not, I mean, of course, if that's the way you think, like go for it, but wouldn't it just be better instead of having a goal of losing 10 pounds, which is all great, except for every day up until the point when you've lost 10 pounds, you're unhappy because you're not where you want to be. And then even worse, the day you do lose 10 pounds, then what? You know, and that's why there's so many people that go back and forth, right? But the idea of being living with purpose instead of with goals, just to say, I'm going to sleep better, eat better, exercise more, be nicer to people, be less stressed, and one foot in front of the other, I promise, if you do those things, you'll be 10 pounds lighter. And you'll know exactly what to do going forward. And Mm. that's the way I live. And that's what I think. And you know, that's how I try to encourage people not to be so wound up about the results. They'll mm-hmm. come if you do the work, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, are you putting that in your book? You just finished your book, right? I finished the proposal, the yeah. The proposal. What, yeah. Do you have a title yet? I do. What's what? it going to be called? It's called The Purpose of Pain. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, wow. I do think... You know, that's a good. A, that's a good title. Well, I'm planning you on writing a, a bunch of producer. books. <laughs> <laughs> I want to write a. You know, I live with purpose. I like yeah, purpose. Yeah. You know, and so I purpose of pain, purpose pur- of parenting, purpose of whatever. Exactly. Right. I just want to have the opportunity. But the purpose of pain is fairly clear. You know, sure. and I. Uh, and we were talking about my daughter, but you know, she's had some trying experiences. You know, recently, and some of it, a little bit of it, maybe are things that she could have done a little differently, you know. And so I told her the purpose of pain is really like, you know, you hear the common one, which is it's so you put your hand on the stove. It's hot. It's hot. You know that it's hot. It hurts. So you take your hand off the stove. And I told Ariana, take your hand off the stove. You know, there there are ways in which you don't have to you know, put yourself in a position to feel the way that you feel, right? Like you can understand this now because you've experienced some pain in this regard and Mm -hmm. you know to take your hand off the stove. And the purpose of pain is really for you to change directions, right? Mm -hmm. It's to tell you I'm not not doing everything that I need to or I need to make peace with something or whatever it is, whatever that pain is inside of a person, it's trying to tell you to adjust, Mm-hmm. You know, and so oh, it's gonna be good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I, I want an art great. copy, an advanced reader copy, Jono, just <laughs> okay. both Barbara and I do. Well, I can't we'll wait. It, like I said, it was supposed to be you know t- ten to twelve pages, and it's 152 pages. <laughs> just your proposal. Yeah. <laughs> your publisher's like, I love this guy. We're doing a ten book deal now. <laughs> it was uh, thirty six thousand of my favorite words, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, there's a lot into it. You know, I know that there's curiosity about what happens. Sure. And I get that. I do understand um, because I think everybody's afraid to die, you know, so mm. they want to talk about that. But really, the thing, you know, you should be afraid of, the thing that's actually painful is not living. It's not mm. the dying part. Like, you know, 
you know, 10 out of 10 people have, die. It's yeah, I mean, and everybody has their ideas about that and those mm-hmm. feelings about that and what's going to happen. But, you know, the time that we have here is, and again, I'm so appreciative of this happening to me because I, I have never felt more alive than I do now. I know mm-hmm. that sounds, you know, goofy and people would say, I'm sure you would go back in time and have this not happen. But knowing what I know now and feeling the way I do now, I can live with the physical pain, you know, to achieve a, a better mental state. I think that that, mm. you know, that's, uh, it's, it's great to be able to have a, something meaningful to say to people, but really I've always felt the same way. And you know that I've yes. always felt the same mm-hmm. way, but now that I have visual injuries and I have this story, people can hear me. Mm. And wow. so, um, yeah, God's yeah, using been, it as a testimony. Absolutely. It's I, I, unbelievable. It kind of actually makes sense. Like yes. I've never really had the opportunity to live the way I feel, but now I can. You know, and now I don't also, I'm, I've learned, you know, I'm not, I never was caught up in my job. I never was caught up in being, uh, you know, it, it never felt like it was a perfect fit in my life. It just mm-hmm. was part of a hamster wheel that I got on and, you know, and I'm not unhappy that I did it. And I've had amazing experiences. Successful, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten to do almost everything a person could want to do to sample the parts of life that are out there and available to you. But now I've really settled into the life that I think I should be living and not the life that other people think I should live just because I'm good at it, you know? Amen. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that was good. You know, as promised, we brought you back to share Mm. this amazing story. And I, Mm. Barbara and I both asked you, because I mean, not to tell us, we're going to hear it live with everyone else. What was this moment... And first of all, how did this meeting even come to be, especially after speaking with Kelly on one of our other podcasts, how did this even come to be? I mean, who contacted who? How did you get to meet the family of the donor that gave you Well, first of all, I just want to say that I am going to maintain every bit of privacy Please. that yes. I have yes. promised that yes. I will. Yes, I just want you to it's, share what happened. Yeah, but um, I think it was, I think it's interesting that the third show that I ever did in my life, which was way back in 2004, was called The Gift. And it was a show about transplantation. And we told the story of a single donor and all of the different people who received organs from that donor. And then we brought them all back together with the mother of the teenage girl who was killed. And What a great show. It, it, was, um, it was one of those things that at the time, you know, competing with the Osbournes and Mm. it Mm. it just, you know, it was too much, too emotional Mm -hmm. for people Mm -hmm. to watch, but we did, we made the show (laughs) and we went to Denver. There was a teenage girl, 16 year old girl who was in a car crash and we followed the story of her kidneys and her heart and her liver, I think. And, um, it was so meaningful to all of us because the girl who got the heart of the donor was actually also a teenage girl. Mm. And there was a lot of really kind of amazing footage of how, just like Kelly, she looked one way and then legitimately right after the surgery, her whole body you know, changed and she was, had, she was pink in the face and she, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, she became best friends with the donor's sister And when we were interviewing different families to choose which one we were going to use as our subject, you know, the mother said, you know, um, at least my daughter's heart got to be 
you know, in her sister's wedding. And, you know, that was it. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, God, you know, I can't. (laughs) So, I mean, they were a wonderful family. It was super meaningful. And I've had the experience of doing so many of those kinds of reunions on television that I, you know, I embraced this with a certain comfort level. Mm -hmm. It was not, it was all joy. It was, for Mm -hmm. me, it was all joy. Plus, you know, add a couple of other elements, which is they already knew everything about me because they have seen 2020 and they, right. and they knew mm-hmm. and they've seen everything and they've read everything mm-hmm. and so I really um, let the doctors know and the procurement agency which was amazing that I didn't have any expectations when I went there that I really wanted to be there for them so that they could tell me about their son and brother um, mm. Because I think that was the missing piece for all of us. They mm-hmm. already knew all about me, and it would be interesting, you know, and meaningful. So um, Dr. Zari and Ariana and Jennifer, and we all went. And it's a very, <laughs> it's a very professional environment. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It's very... Uh, I was picturing you at their home, on the couch, no. like... It's, okay. it, it's almost um, a process whereby the agency wants to probably by law, control the way in which the meetings take place and control the interaction in a positive way. They were really great. They're an amazing agency, but they're careful. They don't want anybody to overstep their bounds. You know, mm-hmm. they give you a mm-hmm. bunch of rules before you go in, which really? I thought, yeah, I thought like was so what? interesting. Like um, they're if you're going to bring a gift, it has to be, I think, under 50 or under $25. I can't remember. but Oh, so I should take the Porsche back I just gave the family? I mean, what well, we, I think that the in the past. The vacation to Tahiti? No, but I think in the past, you know, the, there are issues oh, about wow. not so much that um, the recipient, you know, wants to do something like that, but there's an expectation of owing that mm. that, which was not at all a part of our situation, but I know sure. even in the shows that I've done, there are expectations sometimes where they say, hey, I gave you I gave you a chance to live, mm. but that was couldn't be any more to the contrary of the people that we were with. Wow. They were just uh, amazing. So um, we were put in a conference room, Okay. It was, it was, it, you know, it was like you go to an office building. It's such an emotional thing, but you, right. you go to an office building and you're sitting in a conference room and you're prepped and you're given the rules and there's no exchanging of information and, you oh, know, wow. all of those other things. So, hmm. um, so we were there first and then, you know, when the other family. Who was were, with you? Wait, who was with you? You was, and Jen? Ariana? And Ariana okay. and Dr. Zari and, okay. and Aaron, who's our coordinator, who okay. is amazing. And, um, yeah, we all went together and we were all. Super loose, sure. you know. I mean, because we all went there for one reason, which was to share with them, you know, what this meant to us, and really allow them to share with what their experience was, because that's the missing piece. Mm. We don't know, mm-hmm. right? I know. So, yeah. so okay. So you're in the conference room. Yeah. You guys are there first, and then they tell who us. brings them in. Does well, Aaron get up and get no, up? No, no, no. The you know the agency does and. They were very sweet and very kind, but it is formal okay. for them. So they like announced them. It was almost like Meeting you know the queen. trumpets, yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. they announced yeah. that they were in the building. So the second they walked in the room, mother, father, and brother. Uh-huh. The minute they walked in the room, everybody was family. I mean, it, it just. I had this. Um, idea that maybe especially mother would stare 
at my hand. Right. She did not. She was mm. so engaged and so, you know, of course, I have pictures, but, um, you know, she did want to hold my hand. Mm. And, I was going to ask course, you, like... Yeah, of course, you know, I, that happened. But before all of that happened, we were all just sitting at this fairly sterile conference room table having this incredibly high-level, you know, uh, human experience um, that very few people, you know, have ever had the opportunity to have. Right. and. You know, and we went back to the day, got to hear it from, you know, their side. We got to hear what happened. Can to you the share donor. any of that? Or what parts can you share? Like, was I mean, he young? Like, he was what? young. He was okay. younger than I am by quite a bit. Oh, wow. Um, was he in a car accident? Was no, he... he was a perfectly healthy guy. Mm. You know, it, mm. our stories are somewhat remarkably similar. Mm. Wow. You know, just mm. he was, you know gregarious and outgoing and had a big life and a big job and, and you know really yeah and um was he married or no family? no married not so married he was single. And, yeah, okay. no kids and uh you know he when they wrote about him because they had written a, a letter before we met that was probably a part of the media request because they are very private and rightfully so. There's no sure. reason to, you know, just mm-hmm. because I've chosen right. doesn't mean that they should. And so they were, but they wrote this letter and I had it with me and I was, I read it in the car and I just kept. They wrote the letter to you. They just wrote the letter about him. And I couldn't help to think, and I told them this, that after I read the letter that I hoped that if, you know, somebody ever wrote a letter about me that it would read like that because it was so beautiful and you know his life was so incredible and he was such a giving kind human being and he I got to see pictures of him and you know um you know he was handsome and he just you know you just don't ever know what's going to happen in your life and you know he's certainly not some of the other opportunities that I had to get hands you know, from other potential donors where doctors already said, he's just, they're just not a match for you. Their Mm. hand might fit you, but they're not a match for you as a human being. And I know that that seems strange to medical people, but doctors already knows me. Right. And he knows that I need that. Like I need to feel like I'm doing something not just for myself, but yeah, you know, with somebody who shares ideas and ideals you know, with me. And so when he called me from the hospital, he said, this isn't just a match, you know, which obviously you can see it looks like my hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It totally looks like your hand. It's better than my hand, Yeah, but it looks like my hand. And, you know, but he said, you know, when you get to meet them, you're going to find out that this was a perfect match and he Mm -hmm. was right on the money. So, um, the mother did most of the talking and so he was taken suddenly, like no one knew that he was going to die. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's right. It was just a, a freak accident. It was a freak, whatever you want to call it. Right. I mean, it was a, a medical you know, situation, mm-hmm. not an accident situation. Right. Mm-hmm. But it uh, wasn't like they had months to know that he, he got mm-hmm. this rare thing. Okay. I don't think that anybody... Um, 
I think it would have been shocking for people that knew him the way it was shocking for people who knew me. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're one of the healthiest people, my yeah. friends in my life. Yeah. yeah. I think, again, like, I think there were a lot of synergies between, you know, our mm-hmm. lives. And, Even uh, similar to that. Wow. Yeah. And he was a great tennis player. What? <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Um, oh, so, my God. You know, there were a lot of interesting kind of moments like that, but it became very apparent to me almost instantaneously that they were not as far along in the process of healing um, than maybe time would have suggested and that this was part of that for them. And this (sighs) was, you know, a roadblock to them being able to, and they had, as far as I understood, met with others who had received, you know, something Mm. from from their son. From their son. So this was, I think... Not maybe the last piece of the puzzle, because I don't know that much about sure. their lives, but it was certainly one of the last pieces of the puzzle that, you know, has allowed us to, uh, for them to move forward and try to make sense of something that never will make sense. And um, so, yeah, it was it was an incredible time. When we first sat down, I noticed that they just were the kind of people that I would want to be around anyway. You know, that they were just, they're from amazing place. They have an amazing life. They, you know, are positive and upbeat and, Mm. but also extraordinarily um, deep and feeling and sensitive human beings, you know? And I, it was my understanding that maybe not everybody in that crowd, they're, uh, that they wanted to come, that they, there was somebody in the group that was unsure, right? you know, just too raw. Sure, it's yeah. too soon. And totally understand. Having done a lot of this for television, yeah. you know, never knowing that I would be the subject of it, I mm-hmm. totally, you know, mm-hmm. um, have experience and got that. But um, it was apparent to me immediately that one of the things that was important to both of us was is that this wasn't just a, a gift from them to me, but that it was a gift from them to me that I would make a multiply. gift yeah that I would multiply and that I would be out there and so I think that's why they wanted to meet and maybe why there was even an opportunity to meet because they know that I don't think that I'm you know that this hand is his hand is about me I think that it's an opportunity for people to use this story to whatever benefit they need it to be wherever they relate to and and I think they were excited about that. So I reiterated that in the room, and I was excited about it. And some things have happened, you know, about people who have decided that they wanted to live. And, you know, and a three-year-old girl who's alive because of the story on 2020. And I, mm-hmm. I Wait, said... Can you share that? Can sure. you share that? I mean, I'll share what I yeah. know about yeah. it. Yeah. But, yeah, the... Um, there have been a number of you know people who have written me and said that they wanted to commit suicide and they had heard me talk or seen my story and decided that you know today would be the first day of their fight instead of the last day of their fight and of course I you know I would go through this a hundred times you know for that to be true sure. um, and then you know we got a text message from I keep in touch with all of uh, Jennifer and I both keep in touch with all of our doctors from Washington mm-hmm. and. Um, we got a text from one of them and said, you know, you're going to love what just happened. And there was a three-year-old girl in Chicago who's a known illness. And uh, they had told the parents that she was gone, that there was no saving her. And one of the, 
I don't even think it was a doctor. I think it was a hospital employee or you know somebody who felt that they had enough voice said, hey, I saw this 2020 about this guy. And the doctors in Chicago just called my doctors in Washington directly. And, you know, through a, I saw the text chains. They were incredible. And um, they called each other and got in touch with each other and shared lymph nodes and biopsies and all those things and laid them on top of what happened to me. And it turned out the girl had... Exactly the same thing. You know, I I don't know which autoimmune thing she had, but um, and they saved her, (gasps) and she doesn't have any damage. The three year old? Yeah. Oh my gosh! She doesn't have any damage. She's never even going to know it happened. You know, and so again, and they told the parents she's gone. Yeah. Wow. So I think that you know (sighs) when you, you know, who wouldn't want that experience like who wouldn't want it's not about me at all but it's not coincidences no you know but when but when i shared that story with the family with the donor's family i did it because without them right there is no story there's no 2020 there's There's nothing nothing. right Right. so i think everybody has had a piece of this and a part of it and you know i joke that i think of myself as the chuck yeager of this you know team (laughs) i just you know, I'm the one that is charged with making this work and making it look like it's valuable and um, trying to encourage the powers that be to include this in possible treatments for veterans and things yeah. of that nature. But, you know, the other side of it is is that it really doesn't matter which piece of it somebody takes if they can make something better of their life or save a kid or fight some more or, you know, whatever. Like, of course, I, you know, I... I really embraced that. And so the family, you know, they were great. And they told us, the brother told us some of the stories about, you know, the conversations that were going on. And again, I want to be careful with their privacy, but it it, it isn't at all what you imagine. It's not at all what, you know, the three of us sitting here would think, you know, we would be having that conversation, God forbid. It was a, you know, it's uh, when you have... A transplant. I mean, a donor can say, "I'm a, I'm a donor on your license, right?" Which everybody, I believe, I became should. a donor. Yeah, everyone, yeah. everybody. Yes. I mean, if that's not, if it's something you are, you believe in, you should be proactive and say, you know, I want to do it because yes. it's easy just not to do it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't include things that are outside of your body. So asking for a hand is legitimately asking for a hand. You have to actually speak to them and say, and also. They have to be alive, and the hand has to um, be first. So there was a lot of tension, you know, about this. And obviously there's the sadness and the shock of losing somebody and then immediately having to turn your attention to something just so out of the ordinary that you're going to be a part of and that, you know, you need to make this decision. And I think that the family was incredibly brave and after hearing their story, I thought they were beyond anything I could understand about bravery. And um, Dr. Zari was there, and he, you know, we were all emotional. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of laughing and a lot of crying, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is the best kind of time together. Yeah. You can laugh and cry together, you know. You've pretty much covered it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was... Uh, how, and, did it, how did it end? Um it ended a couple of ways. First of all, we all exchanged 
numbers. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, how could that be? Nope. I mean, yeah. I know, sorry. Yeah. Um, you won't I, tell it, me who I can give my number to. Yeah. It was just, and Jennifer, you know, uh, and, the, and the mom were just so connected and, you know, the individual who didn't want to come and yeah. just decided to um, just embrace me. Yeah. I mean, physically embrace mm. me. Uh, and, you know, he just was That's so, wonderful. I mean, he it was so beautiful, you know, to watch that Transformation, yeah, right? To to feel the fact that this was something worthwhile to do, which I think was still a question. It was still it was still hard, you sure. know, for them, and understandably so. So yeah, I mean, it was an incredible time. I think every each individual gave um, a soliloquy of their right. feelings <laughs> during mm-hmm. the meeting, and um, each of the rest of us was you know incredibly benefited by that mm-hmm. forever. Forever. Forever, yeah. And our listeners right now are forever because we all are going to face some kind of adversity in our lives. And you realize that that could actually set someone up for success. Mm -hmm. I mean, that tragedy for that young man was ended up being a blessing. And now you're going to bless his name for, for this day forward. You're going to do whatever you need to do to do the, do the work, stay away from the bare minimum to use your voice, to share and people's lives are getting changed because of it. And it's, it's something that it's like, if we're not waking up and doing this, then what are we doing? Like, why are we here? What, what is this all about? Because this, you're right. This has to do with our soul. Your, your mind has been, awakened in a way that it's never been before. And you've always been one of my smartest friends and one of my fittest friends and one of my most caring and loving friends. But you are a new creation. You're a totally new creation, Jonathan. It's unbelievable to watch. And thank you so much for coming. And this is like the fastest hour I've ever done in my life. It's like amazing. But uh, I mean, I am so glad I got to hear it raw first because Mm -hmm. it was just powerful. I was wondering if the mom was going to want to hold her son's hand and, and just... That kind of exchange, you know, was had to have been just so beautiful. And well, I've been trying to keep the reins on this a little bit because I know the three of us will just break down and cry through the yeah. whole thing. But um, after we're done, since there's no video, I will show you a picture that will further <sighs> change your life forever. And it's uh, it was just a beautiful, it was a beautiful experience. It really was. And, you know, through sadness, I think, you know, you, you find purpose and you find uh, a way to connect with people and you know um do you think of him every day when you wake up well i think you've known me for a long time and yes you know you, you know <laughs> i'm gonna answer that well i mean you know that um you know part of my experience is you know when the space shuttle blew up since right, 1986 i've done seven push-ups every day to honor them as i did my best friend when he was right. killed and so every day and everybody who's around me knows it. Every day we do something to honor him and, you know, appreciate him. And he can't live that life anymore, but I can live it for him mm. the best that I can. And so I do every day. Mm. So this week we just want to encourage you to splash someone who splashed your life. Let them know. Thank them. Splash them back and say, it's not in vain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a legacy in your name or in your memory or to be an accurate picture of Christ in my life, whatever that may be. But thank you for joining mm-hmm. us. And Jono, you are you can live in the splash zone with us. You were just, ah, yeah. oh, I feel so refreshed. Whenever you're in here, I'm like, ah, oh, I just want to go conquer the world. It's just, you're right. We're not done. And, and we need to go 
and stay as far away as we can from the Bay Area, right? Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> we love you. Thank love you for you sharing love that you. with us. Right, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Come splash with us at shaleenbryan.com. 